0: BackstageCountry.com Your online home For all things country music <laughs> Wondering who made our list Of the top 5 all time Queens of country music Did Carrie Underwood make the cut Find out now when you text Queens to 45911 And scroll through the list On BackstageCountry.com Text Queens to 45911 To see the talented artists Who rounded out our top 5 list
1: The show that's all hockey. The Shaw's and Star Market Hockey Show. With Ryan Johnston, Judd Surratt, and Bob Beers.
0: Presented by Shaw's and Star Market. Download the Shaw's app or Star Market app and save today. Also brought to you by Rodenheiser Home Services, Sports Etc., Devlin Solar, and Mass General Brigham.
1: On Boston's home for sports. 98.5 The Sports Hub.
2: Welcome in to another edition of the Shaw's and Star Market Hockey Show here on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Hope you're having a good Saturday morning. Great to be with you as we get ready for the start of the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Bruins and the Carolina Hurricanes get underway on Monday night in round one. And we will preview that series extensively throughout the course of the morning. And we're here to take your calls as well, of course. At six one seven 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 nine zero ninety eight five, we got the gang here in the studio together. Ryan Johnston, Judd Surratt, Bob Beers. Preliminaries are out of the way, guys. The season has the official season has arrived now. How are you?
3: Awesome, all good. Can't wait all to good. get it started. Had to wait till last night to get everything done. <laughs> right? Had no idea with who who everybody was playing. Uh, well, there were two series that were set going into last night, but there was. Six of them that were not. That's pretty amazing, including the entire East.
2: Yeah, that's pretty amazing that it comes down to the last day of the season, and you know some teams are playing their full lineup, some teams are not. You've got teams that are long since out of contention that were, you know, potentially going to have uh, you know impactful games on who was going to match up in the playoffs last night. It was an interesting night around the league, and look, different teams took different tactics. The Bruins sat eight of their top players last night. So clearly they were okay with Carolina being the opponent in round one.
4: Well, in the big picture, the other thing is, you know, with the quick turnaround. So the Bruins are going to start on Monday. There are several teams that are going to play in, uh, that are going to have that same schedule. Uh, everybody except the Carolina Hurricanes played uh, in last night's mm-hmm. game, or I think there was maybe one other team, but uh, I saw a quote from Daryl Sutter, how sour he was. His team ended up playing three of its last four games on the road, and they've got to turn around and play on Monday. He was not happy.
3: You know, Ryan, I, I, when you say clearly they were they were fine playing with Carolina, I I think they were just fine playing whoever. Just yeah, that's it's kind of what I meant. My, however, it, however yeah, it turned out, it turned I, out. I don't think the the last night had you know their plans for last night. I don't think they changed at all. Saying, well, we lose this game, we get Carolina. That's better than playing Toronto." I like I yeah I, that like in locker rooms and. That never comes out. That that's never talked about. You know the the fact that oh we're going to throw this game so we play this team. I know you didn't mean that, no, but I'm I, saying yeah. my my point is that you know for everybody out there saying you know like Toronto last night right? Toronto sits Marner, Matthews, and Tavares. What do you think people in Toronto were saying? <laughs> right? Like, like let the Bruins win. We get the Bruins instead of Tampa Bay. Right? right? But but that never. Look, Sheldon keeps challenging an offside call in the third period on a goal well, by Felino. So they. You just play to win. Well, once no you get on the ice,
2: once you get on the ice, the guys are going to play. Their guys are going to play the game out. And, and, and
3: the the whole idea of sitting guys and the Bruins sat eight because they had the ability to sit eight. They had the cap room to sit eight and bring four guys up. They had the ability to you know they they held those four call ups because that's the maximum after the trade deadline. They held on to those, you know, realizing that it was a huge, a, a really busy week to finish the schedule and. We, we're not going to take a bunch of guys to Toronto. They, I think this plan was in place weeks ago and it had no bearing on if, well, if we do this, we play this team and we do that, we play that team. No, it was just, we need to get these guys some extra rest. That's what we're going to do. doesn't matter. We'll play whoever we have to play.
2: Well, the game, you know, the game last night, obviously, because of the lineup, you don't put a, a great deal of stock into it. And it's same, same for Toronto Uh, But the Bruins finish off that stretch where they play five games in seven days this week and they win four in a row and then last night was what it was. But I think, you know, we were looking going into last weekend to see this team kind of elevate its game. There were some things that you wanted to see. You wanted to see what Olmark was going to look like when he got back into the lineup. You wanted to see the team, you know, getting Posternak and Lindholm back into the lineup. How are they going to look? Could they... Break out of the power play slump during the course of this week, which they they got a couple of goals in Thursday night's game, had had one last night as well. So you know you did see the direction that you were hoping to see going into the postseason. That this team did find its game this week,
3: and then they found it with the full lineup. They found that on on uh, Thursday, right? I mean it was again they played Buffalo. Buffalo had won four in a row coming in. They'd been playing some. Some good hockey. I mean, I know that they've been long out of it. I, I realize that. I get it. But hey, it's all right. You still got to play the team in front of you. It was the full lineup for the Bruins. It's the lineup we're going to see for Game One on Monday, most likely, unless there's some somebody injured that we don't know about. This that will be the lineup that they put out there. And yes, that lineup came up with a couple of power play goals, which is good. They were perfect on the penalty kill. Uh, a lot of milestones that night. It was a feel good night, you know, at home, uh, finishing out well, it wasn't finishing out the season, but essentially
4: finishing the season on
3: in on, on that night.
4: Uh, I think just about uh, for... It, down the stretch, you know, w- what's the checklist for the Bruins? What do you want to be able to accomplish? I think they were able to check just about every box that they wanted to. I think the only thing that they weren't able to to see here down the stretch was to get Craig Smith on the board and get him a goal. So he went the last 13 games of the regular season without a goal. He did have a couple of assists last night, generated a bunch of chances, and hopefully he's able, once the playoffs start, to put the puck back in the net when the chances present themselves. Um, Just kind of
2: before we get to the series against the Hurricanes, which we'll spend a lot of time on today, Kind of thoughts on the season as a whole. It was, you know, it, the the way it started. It was kind of a rocky start. You know, the, you get through the first couple of months, and it it, it I think it was su- surprising to a lot of us where this team was when you got to the end of December, and then they go on this kind of epic run over the next couple of months. They're one of the best teams in the league. They cooled off a little bit. They had some injury issues, and then they kind of find it. So, you know, as you look at the the 82 games as a whole.
3: What are some of the biggest takeaways right now? Well, uh, before I get to that, I want to add on to what Judd just said. It, the playoffs are a chance to hit the reset button for everybody. It doesn't matter how you finish the season. doesn't matter how you played in the season. You, If you're in the lineup, you hit the reset button. And that's team-wise. That's individual wise. doesn't matter how many goals you had in the, in the regular season. You're at zero, just like the guy sitting next to you. And You know, it doesn't matter, you know, how you were in in certain areas of the game. Everybody's at zero, including the team. So it's just a chance, no matter how you finish the the regular season, 13 games without a goal. I mean, Brad Marchand had one goal and it was an empty netter, but he's been putting out points. You know, he's been getting on board on on helpers and, you know, and and helping the team win in different ways. So, but it's, it's zero right now. Overall, the season, what is 107 points? (laughs) It's <laughs> <That's> pretty good. <laughs> Another fifty-win season, fifty-plus. I mean, look, you, you're in the you were in the toughest, at least the top half was the toughest division in the league, right? I, the bottom half, not so much. I get it, but the top half was the toughest in the league, and they performed well. There's you're going to go through so many ups and downs through 82 games. You've got to find your game. You've got to form an identity. There's a lot of new faces in the lineup from last year's trade deadline to all the way to this year's trade deadline there's new faces in the lineup uh there's a lot of different faces that didn't even play last year in the playoffs for the Bruins coming into this one so they had to they had to come together as it, as the season went on and they put it together in January I mean you you, you had stats last night mm-hmm. judge I think since January 1 they were the third best team in the NHL I believe that was the number you came up with or the number you had right around there yeah, yeah so that says a lot it says a lot I mean it they, they, they struggled a little bit out of the gate, and it was a really choppy start schedule-wise and mm. COVID-wise and different things that, that popped into the season. You had to deal with a lot of adversity that way, as did a lot of teams, and then they found their game. They found their game, and, and you know, I like to think that that's the true version of, of themselves heading into the playoffs. Just They're going to need it.
4: <laughs> just based on points percentage, they were barely in the playoffs uh, on January 1st, and then as as we detailed They played the heaviest schedule of any team down the stretch, and they played 700 hockey, only three other teams. Uh, play better and those were all the division leaders, so Florida, Colorado and, and They were behind
3: a lot of teams at that time in terms of games played as well. Remember Detroit was in front of them for the longest time yeah. but they had
4: like five games in hand on right. Detroit. <laughs> oh yeah. Um so they were able to make that up and I think at the beginning of the season, you know, what were some of the questions? So no rask. Okay, what's this new goaltending tandem going to look like? You've got a rookie and a and a new guy coming in from Buffalo who had never played in the playoffs and and in the past had had some injury issues. Um, what was the team going to look like without David Krejci, who had been a stalwart for so many years? Uh, and these were core pieces in addition to that. So how is this going to work? And then if you look at the Eastern Conference in particular, I don't think anybody figured at the start of the season, before the puck was even dropped, that the Islanders would experience what they had to go through this year, playing all those games on the road, and then they had that big COVID stretch that they just we're, couldn't respond to. And the
3: team wouldn't, and and the league didn't cancel games at that time. The league or no, not right. cancel, they weren't postponing games at that time. They made them play through that. It was after that that other teams started to get when Calgary started to get. That's when they started postponing games.
4: I guarantee Uncle Lou is not going to forget that. <laughs> and, and you know, and then you know, I don't think anybody that that you know, at the start of the season really thought Philadelphia was going to fall off the cliff the way they eventually did. I, I think most people felt, okay, I think they're going to vie for a playoff spot in the Metro or maybe for one of the wild card spots. So it was far from a given, I think, for the Bruins that they would earn a playoff spot. But they took off uh, when some of the changes were made. And at the same time, with all the newness that they had with a lot of the guys that they brought in, where do these pieces fit, and will everybody accept the roles that they've been given all those things started to come to the fore, and as a result, the Bruins played 700 hockey from January first on, and here we are with 51 wins.
2: Yeah, it just you know, it kind of took a while to find the right spots for some guys, as you said. The you know replacing David Krejci, you knew that was going to be difficult. You know, once they got Halla in place with with Pasternak and and Hall, that kind of took off, and and it it turned that second line into a real weapon, which this team had needed. Right? They they. You know, so often in the past, it's, you know, they were able to be looked at as kind of a one offensive line team. They have certainly not been that
4: uh, over the course of the last few months. The one constant for the Bruins the entire season was the way they defended. That was the one constant. If you look first half to second half, that was pretty much the same, but it's the amount of goals uh, and specifically goals five on five. That certainly changed for the Bruins after January 1st and before January 1st, but it's not just that second line became a threat. What does that do for your whole offense? So now how do you check, okay, uh, how do I check Posternock, Hall, and Halla, And what do I put up against Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron? And now you add Jake DeBrusque to the mix. And in the evolution of a season, I think this happens for most teams every year, there's going to be something that pops up that maybe you didn't expect. At the start of the season, did anybody expect that Charlie Coyle, Craig Smith, and Trent Frederick would be a line at the end of the season? And not only a line, but a team... But a, but a group that the Bruins start most games with because that's how they want to set the tone. That was the case, and that only developed, that was a byproduct when Brad Marchand was suspended. Right. That's when that line was put together, and they've essentially stayed together for the last almost two months of the season.
2: So we're just getting started on this week's edition of the Shaw's and Star Market Hockey Show. We will look at the Bruins and the Hurricanes coming up on Monday night. Game one down in Carolina. We'll take your calls at 617-779-0985. Former Bruin and Hurricane Aaron Ward is going to join us in about 20 minutes. And Billy Jaffe joins us in the final half hour as well. 617-779-0985. 617-779-0985. We'll get to your calls coming up next. The Shaw's and Star Market Hockey Show, 98.5 The Sports Hub. Go, go,
1: go! The Shaw's and Star Market the Hockey Show, on 98.5 The Sports Hub.
0: Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music.
1: to the Shaws and star market hockey show boston's home for sports 88 5 the sports hub
5: a uh, strong team obviously they had their way with us this year some of that was uh, a while ago and i think our team's in a much better place than when we played them earlier in the year so we're not going to take too much stock in that we have had success against them in the playoffs recently and again two different teams we can't take too much stock in that either other than you know it does build some experience for you so i've said this steve no matter who we got Toronto, Carolina, last week, you know, the Rangers were in the mix, maybe, or or Tampa, whatever. It doesn't matter. They're all good teams. Uh, All all have certain strengths, you know, and we expect Carolina to be a difficult opponent. They they press their, their great skating team. They check well. We feel we can do the same thing, so it should be a great series. 98.5
2: 98.5 The Sports Hub back here on the Shaw's and Star Market Hockey Show. Here's some of Bruce Cassidy's thoughts on the regular season between these two teams was the Hurricanes swept the three games by a combined score of 16-1. to 3-0 loss in Carolina back in October. In January, 7-1 loss for the Bruins. Tuukka Rask played in that game, gave up five goals on 12 shots and got pulled And in February retired uh, and yeah, retired a few weeks later. And then Brad Marchand was suspended and Patrice Bergeron did not play because of injury in the February meeting where the Bruins were beaten six to nothing. So,
4: well, even in the first meeting. So that was the second of a back to back game for the Bruins. Uh, Carolina was sitting and waiting. Bruins were coming in after playing Florida the night before, and, and that game was pretty close.
2: Yeah, that, that was a you know I I know that's come up a few times during the course good. of this season. Yeah, it was the Bruins actually played I, halfway I, decent game I that night.
4: I don't
3: take anything from no any of the three games uh, other than realizing how Carolina plays and how you have to play in order to combat that. And it's a it's a fast style. We'll get into it a little bit more there and Ward here at nine thirty, but it's a it's they they play fast. I mean, they they want possession of the puck. They swarm you. They're aggressive. Um, you know, they they're, they're the best defensive team in the NHL this season. Although that's a lot of that's with Freddie Anderson in the Nets for them, and you know his status is still up in the air. But this, this you know, it's the you better be ready to have your skating legs against this team if you're going to be able to compete
4: with them. And one of the things that Beersy pointed out at the tail end of last night's broadcast. Uh, you know, if you look at the the previous two matchups that the Bruins have had against Carolina here recently, this is a team that's starting to change and gotten an, a lot harder to play against physically. Uh, adding guys, um, Anthony D'Angelo certainly makes a difference. Um, Steven Lawrence makes a difference. Um, you know, Andrei Svechnikov in the last series, he got hurt, uh, I, I want to say, early in that series in the bubble Um you know when he's in the lineup and he's consistently there i think that that makes a difference so
3: got a little nasty in his game there
4: there's some there's more edginess to carolina than the series if you want to think back to the conference finals in 1819 this is a, a completely different team
2: let's grab some of your calls here this morning we'll start with maria in watertown good morning maria
6: good morning gentlemen just a quick comment regarding um patrice on there's sometimes a narrative on um certain uh, radio shows that Patrice Bergeron is overrated. And to that, I simply say to those hosts, you are all idiots for saying that. And, you know, I don't know about you guys, but when he spoke about scoring all of his 400 goals with one organization and the sentimentality that he expressed gave me pause for concern to think, is he actually considering um, ending his career? very soon here. So that that's my comment and then my my quick question, simple question. Who do you start in net on Monday night against the Canes? Thank you guys. Have a great day.
2: I mean the the second question's pretty easy answer to me. It's 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 Linus Olmark. There's I don't think there can be any question at this point.
4: Nope. Since March fifteenth he's got a nine forty five save percentage. That's the best of every goaltender in the National Hockey League with just even six or more starts. That's wow. how good he's been I mean that that you know Bruce Cassidy held back from announcing his starter until
2: Monday, but I I I think it would be well, a complete shock if it wasn't. He All-Mart. said he
3: might be a little coy in the playoffs. Yeah, okay, <laughs> announcing his starters. So no, I I I'd, I'd be. I mean, I've got confidence in Jeremy Swayman, but I don't see how it cannot be Linus Allmark to start. It it he's got to be. He's earned it, and 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 he's playing well. So you know they both played well at different times this season. So who's playing well as you head into the playoffs? Who's playing better as you That's head true. into the playoffs? And it's the answer is Olmark.
2: Yeah, not that Swayman has he's, been no, bad been fine, by any stretch, yeah. but Olmark has been, you know as, as Judd just pointed out, he's been one of the best goalies in the league here for the last month plus.
4: But I also think that... that... The Bruins are going to approach goaltending sort of the way they did here down the stretch. They're going to play the hot hand if he feels like he's going to have an advantage because he's going to switch to Jeremy Swayman or switch back to Linus Allmark. I think he's going to continue to do that. It's a different situation than what Carolina is in. Freddie Anderson, we have no idea his status. And I'm, I'm curious because in an important game for Carolina in New York against the Rangers at Madison Square Garden, they didn't play Antti Ranta. They played Peter Kachikov in that game. They didn't play Ranta. Uh, Kachikov had a terrific season in the American hockey league. He's won all three of his NHL starts. Is that the guy that Rod Brindamore is going to roll the dice with? If Freddie Anderson can't go, does he start game one instead of Brontan?
3: You know, there's a lot of, um, goalie questions around the NHL and, and the Bruins have one too, in the sense that neither guy has played in the playoffs. Sure. I, I mean, I know Swayman had an appearance, but you know, all marks never played in the playoffs. So there there's questions right there uh carolina has questions as, as judd just mentioned Judge just mentioned um nashville Saros is hurt um carolina you know freddie anderson's hurt you know our, we don't know his status uh, you, you go down the list I, I think there's some other ones i mean minnesota's got to figure out who they want to play they brought in Marc andre Fleury at the deadline um who am i missing i'm missing somebody else in there that's that has got a couple goalie questions well, I mean, is is Florida is is Bobrovsky going to be Bobrovsky or is he? It's
2: going to be playoff uh, Bobrovsky. Yeah,
4: right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as well as Igor Shosturkin has played, he's never played in the playoffs. Right? He's never really yeah. gone through this. So, Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh's another one. Smith. Uh, to, yeah. Jarry's hurt. Yeah. Well, I think that's valid. You know, and certainly there are going to be massive questions surrounding Jack Campbell up in Toronto. And we're just talking about the Eastern Conference for the most part this year. Uh, the other thing that Maria brought up was Patrice Bergeron. Whether or not this is going to be his last season, I think back to something Cam Neely mentioned before the season began. And, and one of the things that he talked about when it came to a Bergeron extension, he said that Bergeron wants to see how he feels at the end of the year. Does he have the drive to be the player that he wants to be? We won't find that out. Yeah, I, I don't doubt
3: Maria's heard. Somebody say that he's overrated, but I can't. I I wouldn't put much stock in that at all. I wouldn't any stock in that at all. (laughs) Let's
2: grab uh, Frank the Tank before we get to our break. What's up, Frank? Hey, boys. Uh, Look, first
6: off, thank you very much for what you guys do all year long. Thank you to Maria for always bringing her fastball. And thank you to the Nashville Predators for leading the NHL in fighting majors.
4: (laughs) By far, by the way.
6: By far at least 20 more than the number two team. I love it. I've said it before. I always give violence a chance. Uh, look at the beginning of this season. I didn't have the Bruins in the playoffs. I really didn't. I'm glad I was wrong about that. I think they've got a big uphill battle here against Carolina, but I give them a puncher's chance to me, guys. It's going to, it's going to come down. How does the play? How does the coil line play? And how's the goalie going to play? Cause they don't have a lot of experience in the playoffs. We got to, we cannot take stupid penalties in this series, guys. So, Marshan, Frederick, you know, watch your p's and q's, guys. They've got to come out and punch Carolina in the mouth. They've got to take one of the two games down there. Enjoy the playoffs, boys.
2: I appreciate the call, Frank.
3: Yeah, there's a line, uh, and, and and you know, and once Frank says, all right, you got to punch him in the mouth. Okay, I get that, but you got to stay out of the box, right? So. There's a line, and that's that's going to be a fine line for them. You got to make sure that you know. And look like, I think Frederick's still learning how to do it. Um, you know, and, and and I think I think he's become a good player this year. He's he's really taken some huge strides in that department. But he can get into, in guys' faces if he can do that. Uh, that's going to be a valuable part of it. Marshan's always a guy that you know is going to have to walk the line, and he's at his best when he's doing just that. And that's he's got so much experience. I I, I think, I mean. It's an emotional game. He plays a lot on emotion. But I think he's been around long enough to realize w- where that line is. I-, I I think so, anyhow. I mean, most times he has. Most times he has.
4: I'll be curious to see how the special teams battles go. Because if you look at the numbers, so the Bruins ended the year tied for first in minor penalties, along with Frank's favorite team, the Nashville Predators. But not far behind were the Carolina Hurricanes. They only took... 14 fewer minors across the regular season. So we're going to see some special teams. Carolina's penalty kill is simply superb. Their power play is about on par with what the Bruins uh, have done during the course of the regular season. How is that going to play out? If for some reason the Bruins are able to break through against that penalty kill, and you're going to have some chances What sort of impact can that have in the series?
2: We will dig into the series with former Bruins and Hurricanes player Aaron Ward will join us next here on the Shaw's and Star Market Hockey Show.
1: The Shaw's and Star Market Hockey Show on the flagship station of the Boston Bruins. 98.5, the Sports Hub.
0: Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music.
1: If you really love hockey, this is your show. The Shaws and Star Market Hockey Show on 98.5 The Sports Hub. 98.5
2: The Sports Hub, back here on the Shaw's and Star Market Hockey Show. Ryan Johnston, Judd Surratt, Bob Beers, all coming to you from the Town Fair Tire Studios here in Dorchester. As we get ready for the start of the Stanley Cup playoffs, the Bruins and the Carolina Hurricanes will get it going on Monday night when talk Bruins-Hurricanes, what better guy to preview that series and a guy who's played for both of those organizations. Aaron Ward joins us now on the Volkswagen Dealers Expert Hotline. Good morning, Aaron. How
4: are you doing? Good, Wardo. Wardo, let's start with the Hurricanes uh, because they're the best defensive team in the National Hockey League, and it's more than just the goaltender. But what makes them such a tough team to score goals against?
5: Uh, I would say the identity of this team. Um, you know, you, you know. I mean, I can speak from from experience. I had Rod Burnamore as a teammate, and I think he's imparted his identity onto this team that... You do everything in the defensive zone first, and what what works itself out from there will be the benefit of of, of your efforts. And uh, Roddy demands that all these guys, whether it be the Ajo's and the young guys like Jarvis's, um, on down to, I mean, Jordan Stahl kind of sets the tone. The the expectations of this group as a whole is that everybody does the same job. There's no stars to get the float. There's nobody gets to step aside to block a shot. Uh, there's no guy that's going to hang in the neutral zone and, and not back check. He plays a complete north-south game, not just going in on attack, but also coming back. So um, I would tell you that the decor has kind of evolved over time, right? So if you think about the names that have gone, the gone is Falk to St. Louis and Hamilton to New Jersey, and they don't seem to have missed the step. So some of the continuity that you have back there and why they're, they're so adept defensively is the fact you've got the guys like Pesci and Slavin who really honestly just are, are undervalued, uh, basically the world of, of hockey, kind of unknown entities to what they're capable of, and, and they do an incredible job. But again, to go back, when you start to talk about the fact that this team is effective defensively, the biggest change clearly is what's between the pipes, and that's what's really ailed them for a very long time over the course of the last few years in the playoffs is they've gone into the playoffs and the regular seasons, essentially with a two B. And what I mean by a two B is they don't have a one A game stealer and they don't have a backup that's like a two A or, or, or a or a one B. They've had Morazic, they've had Reimer, they have Nadalkovich, they've they've just seemingly gone in with fingers crossed that the goaltending would be kinda hidden based on everything that's up front. And I would tell you that's the biggest change as to why they're so good currently.
3: Ordo, it's Beerzy, thanks for joining us. It's been a long time. Um can you expand a little bit on, on Rod Brindamore? Just his personality, what he was like as a player. You know, you hear when guys talk about Carolina and you hear players maybe talk from Carolina, they just said you want to go through a wall for him, you know, and, and what he brings personality-wise to that locker room. <clears throat> well, I,
5: I don't know if you guys get the social media that Carolina puts out down here, and you get to see his post-game speeches he's very in tune having been a player, right? So you oftentimes complain that uh, a coach can't relate. One of the toughest things nowadays is to comprehend what makes these guys tick. Back in our day, it was pretty, pretty like, it's pretty obvious. You, you you played out of fear with a coach or you played out of fear that you might lose your job overall. And that's what your motivation was. These guys are encountered by different types of pressures, social media, Uh, coverage marketing. They have a whole different group of elements that they have to contend with as they play. So Roddy is actually a guy that's still got that old school mentality of come to the rink, put your work in. Uh, He's still to this day an an incredibly well-conditioned athlete, but he's also kind of evolved this thinking to not just how the games played. Like Roddy was, you know, a, a second line center on our team because he was so amazing at shutting down the opponent, he was very skilled at at, at dictating play. Um, so he has kind of kind of molded himself into a new coach. And and when you play for him, you feel like you're understood. And it's amazing from a from a humanity standpoint when when you feel like in, in your work in your everyday work, if you feel like your boss gets you, oftentimes they get more out of you. And here's the other thing, Roddy sets a standard for that team and here's a perfect example for you and i just got told this i play old dude softball on monday and on wednesday and one of the guys in my team is is in fact a, a trainer and he showed up this year to help with the conditioning testing at the start of preseason he said to me he goes in just 10 minutes i i was able to determine roddy Pridmore is an incredible guy I said, why he goes well it's one thing that you already know he's in great shape he shows up an hour early, and he makes everybody who's there to, to run the test test him. And we're thinking, like, why the hell is he doing this? But he, he what he was going through was he was stepping up and trying to see exactly how it felt to go through these tests, right? So you, the no guy could come into camp and say this test was unfair. You got a you know a fifty year old guy banging these tests out and killing it. The other thing is he set a standard. So for his team, when you find out. Know whether it's pull-ups. If if Roddy's doing twenty-two, you best be somewhere in that range or You got some answering to do, right? And and so that's that's why he's so highly effective. He came into Carolina, done to maiden him prove himself. Didn't give him a long-term contract. Didn't give him money. Basically told him, "It's your opportunity. Seize it." And and if you do a good job, we will reward you after that. And he did that, and he's got. 20-odd guys in that locker room, whether it's veteran guys, which he doesn't have a ton of, or he's taking chances on younger guys and, and really honestly mentoring them himself. Like the, the idea that you've got some surprises like Jarvis and, and Faust and, and just guys coming on, Natchez, nat- and even I'd say Svechnikov, who's not that, you know, not that old. All these guys seem to really be playing to the expectation and the identity of this team.
4: Wardo, you had a chance to also play with the young Patrice Bergeron in in addition to playing with Rod Brindamore during your career in Carolina. And I'm curious because both are some of the best defensive centermen of all time in the National Hockey League. Do they shut down guys differently?
5: I'd say no. So uh, there's, the funny part was I understood Patrice Bergeron the first day I got there. I did, it's not what I expected, right? So I have no, I knew about the, the history of, of Roddy Brindamore. He kind of came as a legend. He came out of Michigan State. There's pictures of him looking like, you know, Mr. Universe on, on the weight bench. Uh, as I was in college, I knew about him. Burgie, I got there, was this kind of really young-looking guy, French-Canadian. You kind of assume that maybe he didn't communicate a ton because of the fact that it was a language barrier for him early on in his career. But truth was... He wasn't one of those guys that necessarily felt like his mouth had to do the talking. He was a very what you see, what you get kind of guy from a teammate perspective that you never had to doubt how he came into the game, both in preparation just for that game specifically, or how he approached life. He's very much in the mold of a Roddy Bernard. and I'll, I'll, I'll throw another name in there of a guy who probably played his last game, Zdeno Chara. Very quiet, it was about his business. In a way that he, I think he, once he satisfies himself, that all, that that's all that matters. They have this uncanny ability to play the game in a, in a in a responsible way, right? So hockey is always a game of mistakes, and the one thing I notice when you talk about shutting down, these guys rarely make mistakes on the ice. How that happens, I don't know. If I can compare it to another guy in the national hockey, a former player in the National Hockey League that played that way. And I think an even harder position to not make mistakes was Nick Lidstrom. You rarely saw guys like that out of position. You rarely saw them make the, the wrong decisions. And these in the modern day, these guys, the Brendan Moore's the, 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 Bergeron's and the lidstroms are the analytics uh, dream guys, right? So not making mistakes, making the right decision, knowing what to do with the, in the right moment, effectively uh, possessing the puck, not turning it over, getting shots on that, all those things, that that's, that's why Bergie has lasted as long as he has on the ice. And here's the truth. He's the salt of the earth off the ice. The game has a tendency to, to weed out the bad apples that play the game. And it, and it really props up the ones that, that are amazing examples of, of how it should be done. And that's what, what Bertrand is. I mean, he's, he's been consistently the same person, a great individual on and off the ice. And, and that's why his longevity is the way it is.
2: Talking to former Bruin and Hurricane Aaron Ward on the Volkswagen Dealers Expert Hotline. At the beginning, you started talking about uh, the, the upgrades that the Hurricanes made at goaltender. Freddie Anderson banged up here down the stretch. We don't know what his status is going to be as this series goes on. How much of a drop-off in play and in confidence is there if they have to go with Ranta or Kachitkov? So that that, for me...
5: A good topic yesterday. It's weird. I I, I actually work in, in the world of analytics and, and I work for the company that does the player and puck tracking for the National Hockey League. And all of a sudden, the last day or two, I've gotten calls to do media nonstop. And that was one of the topics that has come up consistently on these on these calls. Here's here's what I'll tell you. They finally got to the point of realizing they can't band-aid the goaltending position, as we just discussed. So they come in, they get Freddie Anderson, who's very happy being here, his his career flourished because of the fact that, I mean, if you look at how he played in or had to play when he was in Toronto, there was not a system that suited him or there wasn't an identifiable system defensively <laughs> in front of Frank <laughs> he got he got, run, he got run out of town. So he gets to Carolina, things are pretty regimented and, and he finds a great level of success. And in turn, the team has a high level of confidence in him. Now that the fact he's out, I think, on, honestly, Roddy's got to do some masterful job of changing the psyche of this team because it is a massive drop-off. It, you just got to state fact. Ranta is, is a better goalie than any goalie they had in years previous. Like, so I'm, I take Ranta over Mrazek and Reimer and Delkovic, period. But it still isn't what you've been accustomed to for an entire season. And where I, where I would tell you, you know, you go into the playoff series, and I'm a firm believer, always, that the balance of a series, if the teams are even relatively in the same hemisphere, comes down to what you have between the pipes. And had you asked me, matchup between Swayman and Allmark and, and Ranta and, and, uh, and Anderson, assuming Anderson was playing, I was giving a definitive check mark to the Carolina Hurricanes for Anderson. Now, now things are a little bit more on par, clearly more on par. And, and I think Boston feels pretty confident about their goaltending right now in the in the comparison stage. So what has to happen for Carolina is Roddy's got to use this to his advantage, take a negative and turn it into a positive. He's got to get this team hyper-focused. They can't wait for the adversity to happen against Boston in game one and game two and be reactionary in game three. Roddy's got to start right now getting the young guys Like I said, there's going to be a decent amount of guys that don't have a ton of experience in in, in the likes of Jarvis and a few of those guys who don't know what the playoffs are all about. And you can't wait right now for those mistakes to happen or or questions to arise as to what you need to do to counter your opponent. I would say Roddy's going to start ringing the bells right now. Like, boys, you know, if if we were favored to to win this, that's not happening now. Like, this is is going to be a dogfight. So I think he's going to be perceptive enough to be able to get the attention of his locker room and utilize this in the best way possible.
3: So goaltending aside, uh, Wardo, if you're the Bruins, how do you try to attack the hurricanes? What, what weaknesses would you maybe identify or areas that, that they're not as strong as there may others?
5: Okay. So I'm not going to go one small thing. I'm going to say what has ailed the Carolina hurricanes All year, and if you go back and look at their schedule, is they play to their opponent at times. So, what I mean by that, it's not an insult to the the opponent, but I'm going to use an example of if you look at their record against the Ottawa Senators, if you look at their record against the Buffalo Sabers, it's not particularly good. And so, what you need to do as the opponent is take something from that. You have to try and dictate play. You have to make them play your style of play. So, if if I'm Brad Marchand. I'm playing Brad Marchand-style hockey. I'm going to try and irritate. I'm going to try and take focus away. I'm going to try and get guys to kind of respond. If I'm Trent Frederick, I'm going to be playing my style of game, elevated a little bit on steroids to see what I can get out of them. And I'm just going to – I'm going to try and do small little things to to irritate after the play because what we all know, and we have come to accept after complaining for 10, 15 years, the – the style of refereeing changes come playoffs. And the elite teams that lean on the skill set and, and the flow and, and and the feel of the game have a tendency to have to adjust to what happens in the playoffs. And sometimes it, it happens immediately, they find success, and other teams struggle to, to find that way. And I would say that's one of the things that ails Toronto is that, that come playoff times when the parameters of the calls change. They don't adapt very well. I think that's what you have to do to the Carolina Hurricanes currently. In light of the fact that they, in the back of their mind, are dealing with the fact that there's, there's the, the mainstay goaltender is not there, now I'm going to try and get them irritated and off their game in terms of focus by playing stylistically how I, as a Boston Bruin, want to play. Now, he's probably at this stage of, of, of his career as a, as, a, as a head coach, known for a while this is, this is how to counter your team, He's been with the team over over the course of time, so I, I imagine he's going to try and lean on his older guys to try and get that get that through the group of guys' heads that that will be affected. Like so, if you're going to try and target Aho, this is really a big boy pants series for him to come up and realize the Bruins, who have been your your foe and and really kind of a, a tough barrier in, Latin, in the past few playoffs to get by. He, he's he already knows what what Boston possesses and is capable, and he's got to find a way to maintain his discipline
4: where I need a couple of stories before we spring in we really appreciate you for your time uh take us back what was your introduction to the Bruins in Boston back on March 1st 2007
5: uh so I was coming out in New York and and again I don't make it practice of saying anything negative about the, the the teams I I played for I just was not a very good fit I signed as a free agent and I show up in Boston and and I'm I'm thrilled Right, so I'm coming in because I know that like Dave Lewis, I'd won two Stanley Cups with him in in Detroit, and I get there and I really tell you the truth, didn't pay a ton of attention to Boston in 06-07 because they weren't particularly good at all. They were kind of like the Arizona Coyotes of today. Uh, so I get there and I take a deep dive. So we all pull up to the the hotel in Charleston and. And we, we, we look at the – it was Dennis Wideman myself, Chuck Kobasu I can't remember all the other guys. We sat there. And then I remember in the moment we were all trying to figure out who the hell Chistoff was, our number one center. <laughs> and that, that ought to tell you how much success we had the rest of the season.
4: <laughs> and the last thing, I, I need your favorite memories playing with Timmy Thomas. Oh, um, so Timmy – Some
5: capacity liked me when I bailed his ass out, but hated me in others. Because the truth is, what I learned over the course of my career is you had to evolve, right? So when the when the rule changes happened in 2016, I lost 15 pounds so I could I could move faster in the game. As you got older and the game got faster, you had to find areas in which you were you'd benefit this team. So shot blocking and physical play was was my what I found was my forte. So Timmy and I made an agreement that he didn't really set the puck up for me because he screwed me over enough times I knew that I was a sitting duck. He, his puck handling was was just barely as good as mine. So, but <clears throat> I started to notice over the course of the last few games I was playing there uh, in the season, we had a really good season in 09, that I kept getting stuck by somebody. So finally I went to our 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 uh, our, 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 our video guy, uh, Brant at the time, and I'm like, hey, can, can you pull up some video? Because I'm not exactly sure what's going on I would block a shot, and I'd realize I would piss off Timmy because I was taking away from his save percentage. So he would get frustrated in the game, and he'd stick me right between the legs.
4: (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. I know you said the game changed, and you had to lose some weight in order to keep up with the speed. Did Timmy Thomas do the same?
5: Uh,
4: Timmy Timmy had,
5: like – Timmy had the, the, the solid body of a 50-year-old at a th- as a 30-year-old. <laughs> and how, the truth be told, if, you're, if you can effectively play the game, you're a goalie. Truth is, like I mean, it takes a special breed to play goal. I, I only did it out of necessity to stand in front of a puck. He made it his job to do it over and over and over. So I'm never going to criticize a guy. If you can do the splits and be as lightning quick as he is with a pot belly, then have at it. You're just taking up more, more than that.
2: <laughs> one more real quick question be- before we go. Just because it's that yeah. time of year, you, you won a pair of Stanley Cups during your career, one earlier in the career. Three. In, in oh, three. whoa, 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 whoa. I, I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> I don't <laughs> no, want to shortchange you. I don't want to shortchange you. What, what was the, yeah. What was the defining characteristic? Was there a defining characteristic that all of those teams had that some of your other teams did not?
5: Let's be honest. Like, so I, I didn't know it. when I was in Detroit, there was a starvation for it. You had so many guys. Like, let's, I played in the two years I won the Stanley Cup. There's probably at least 15 to 18 Hall of Famers on that team. And those guys realized, as we, as we know exists currently, I mean, think about Joe Thornton, think, think about some other guys that you can be a Hall of Famer, but there's always, I mean, the Ray Bork, there's always that, like, in the back of your mind, and there's always that, that statement, yeah, but he didn't win a cup. So these guys were hungry and what they did was they put aside their 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 selfish natures their 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 needs and and came together as a team. Steve Eisenman evolved in uh, of, away from being a complete offensive guy to killing penalties and laying out the block Al McInnes' flapshot. shot. And those are the moments that galvanized the team. In 06 we were a collective group. I would say I would call it a Motley Crew of players. We had Ray Whitney was collecting three paychecks from three different teams at the time. We had guys you like if you can name right now the six defensemen that were on the team, I'll give you a thousand bucks. No one knows.
6: <laughs> right? So,
5: the unity of getting together and realizing there's a long journey ahead, there's going to be a war of attrition, but no matter what happens, all there for each other, that's when you finally step away from winning the game. That's why everybody talks about the memories, which you can never take, up, take away as the memories. That's the memories. You know what the guy beside you went through to, in order to achieve this. And you yourself know what you went through, and there's a level of sacrifice, a common level of sacrifice that got you to that place.
2: Excellent. We appreciate the time so much, and uh, we enjoyed talking to you. And uh, have a good time watching the playoffs this year. It's going to be a, this is uh, going to be a hell of a series.
5: Yeah, looking forward to it. the East is like a, is a beast. I mean, there's going to be at least three teams coming out of the first round going home that had aspirations to win the Stanley Cup.
2: Aaron Ward. Former Bruin, former Carolina Hurricane joining us on the Volkswagen Dealers Expert Hotline. We will continue here on the Shaw's and Star Market Hockey Show. We can get back to your calls on this series coming up as well. 617-779-0985.
1: You're listening to the Shaw's and Star Market Hockey Show on Boston's home of the Bruins. 98.5, the